0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Falado on Football, brought to you on Big Blue View Radio, SB Nation's famous Giants page. And here we are, folks, mid-August, and in any normal year, We'd have already seen the Hall of Fame game. It was scheduled for August 6th this year. And we'd all be preparing for the regular season. And there's so much to look at when you really focus on the New York Giants going into this season. I mean, we have Daniel Jones in his second year, second offense in the NFL, third in as many years. How would he have performed? It would have been so many awesome talking points. How we could have evaluated Coach Joe Judge and the methodology on game day and what he employed when the first offense was there and how we kind of oversaw his positional coaches. All these cool storylines, but obviously it's 2020. None of that is going to happen. So we don't have the luxury of watching and betting and enjoying the preseason, and instead... We're talking about players opting out of the season for varying reasons. 66 total players are opting out of this season and taking the compensation that the NFL has put forward. And the last day they could have opted out was Thursday. And honestly, I never begrudge any player for opting out. That is 100%. Whatever they think is best for their family and their longevity, I 100% support. And I don't believe people should, fans should be really giving them any advice on whether they should opt out. They have that option, and that's on them. Players, some of them, that are considered high-risk by the NFL, they're going to receive a $350,000 stipend. So Nate Solder falls into that category. And other players who aren't deemed high-risk will receive a $150,000 stipend. But they had to opt out by Thursday. I wouldn't say there's really any huge stars that opted out, but there are some really good players, and the teams are going to feel the effects of losing said players. And to no surprise, really, a lot of big men ended up opting out. Just about half of the players that opted out were offensive or defensive line. And again, it really makes sense. It does. Typically, those players are heavier, obviously, so they may not be in the best of shape, and they could be susceptible to some health hazards that they may not have even have known. It's kind of crazy to think about, but look at Cam Smith. He's a second-year linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings, and he went to USC He found out that he had an underlying heart condition, and now he has to have open heart surgery. That's incredible to think about. It's really unfortunate. So you really feel bad for players like that who are starting to realize that they may have had something wrong with their bodies because they're really getting everything inspected now that everybody's being evaluated for COVID-19. It's really crazy. But back to the trenches. Some of these big guys, yes, they're overweight, obviously. Some of them might not be in the best of shape, but they're also breathing in each other's faces every snap. It's a lot different than... A lot of the other position groups, obviously, and I'm sure a lot of players in the trenches can probably tell you who uses Listerine and what players may have halitosis. So obviously, that's not really ideal for a pandemic. And some of the big name guys that opted out, Nate Solder, Juwan James, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Solder, for instance, look at the ramifications there. You have a new offense coming in, new terminology, truncated offseason, young quarterback. And now you're going to be starting Andrew Thomas, your fourth overall pick, whichever one is expected the Giants to do but then who are you gonna have honestly it's a lot better situation this year to be honest the New York Giants offensive line but you have Matt Parrott who you took in the third round who's may not be ready to play then you have Cameron Fleming who's best suited as a swing tackle and you also have Nick Gates so you're gonna have to choose between one of those three now Nate Solder struggled last year yes but losing him is still going to affect this Giants offense yes he wasn't the best Yes, he gave up the most pressures out of any tackle, the most sacks out of any tackle. But he's still a veteran offensive lineman who has played left tackle for some time now in the NFL. And losing that leadership, losing that veteran nature of a player is going to affect the offensive line. The Giants aren't the only team that are dealing with this. You have Juwan James, who the Broncos, Pat Shermer's offense now, was probably really excited that he had him coming back. I mean, Juwan James... He played for Miami, drafted out of Tennessee. He signed a four-year, $51 million contract for the Broncos. And he played in like three games last year before suffering an injury. And now he's opting out. And that really stinks for Drew Locke and that offense. And they have all those nice weapons over there. But Juwan James just had a newborn son. And he thinks there's a lot of unknown with the virus. And he's right. So he wanted to take what the NFL was offering and opt out. Similar situation to Solder. Nate Solder's child is battling cancer. Solder himself is a cancer survivor, so he had to look out for himself, and that makes 100% total sense. So these teams losing these offensive linemen, now you're going to have to bring up these backup offensive linemen to kind of fill in their spot. It's not going to be as smooth or as effective. Marcus Gilbert also opted out for the Cardinals and Duvernay Tardif, but both those teams kind of have a lot of depth, I would say, at the offensive line, I'm not saying that the Giants don't, but they both brought in several tackles and offensive linemen that can kind of step in and play along the offensive line the Arizona Cardinals just drafted Josh Jones in the third round of the draft they brought in the Jets left tackle from last season Kelvin Beecham and as for Tardif I know they brought in guys like Mike Remmers who could possibly kick inside and help they also brought in Kaleccio Semele, who played well kind of played for the Jets last year that was a whole fiasco I don't know if you guys remember everything that happened with Osemile and the New York Jets organization and their doctors it was a real crap show to tell you the truth but they brought him in they also drafted Lucas Nyang, who I want to say also opted out but they still have Martinez Rankin and Andrew Wiley as well so those teams kind of have a bunch of different options I feel like the Giants also have those options but they're a little bit less Proven and the one that has been doing it for a little bit, Cameron Fleming, may not be ideal for the position, but I would say the 2020 Giants are much more equipped to deal with this situation than the 2019 Giants were because the 2019 Giants really did not have that much depth at the offensive line position. And when you look around the league, some of these teams really got smacked, they really got hit hard. And I would have to go to the New England Patriots. So that's kind of where I want to start when it comes to players that opted out because they lost dunta hightower patrick chung marcus cannon brandon bolden now dunta hightower honestly is one of the more underrated players in the nfl and he's had such a huge impact on the last three super bowl victories of the New England Patriots. I mean, he's the one who sacked Matt Ryan back in the Atlanta Super Bowl. He had a big sack against the Rams. I want to say that knocked the Rams out of the field goal position in that really tight game, that really tight Super Bowl. He's the one who made the tackle against Marshawn Lynch at the goal line that everyone kind of forgets because the Malcolm Butler interception was the next play. So obviously people are going to forget that. But that's a high tower, huge loss for New England and what they do with their stunts and their twists and their pressure packages and how they kind of get pressure on the quarterback, on the opposing quarterbacks. And especially when you think Jamie Collins is gone, he went to Detroit, Kyle Van Noy ends up going to Miami. So there is a dearth of proven talent at the linebacker position for the new england patriots patrick chung is a versatile chess piece in the back end of the defense he's a little bit older now but he still plays such a unique role that requires a lot of mental processing for bill belichick he plays all over the field he plays on the defensive line sometimes at least that's where pro football focus would name it but it's really just on the edge as a blitzer plays in the box plays as a slot wide corner plays as a free safety can play deep doesn't really have the range to do that anymore but he's so versatile. And now the Patriots are without him, Marcus Cannon, who was supposed to be their right tackle this year. That's going to be a big loss as well. But it's also going to be compounded by the fact that Dante Scarnecchia, their longtime offensive line coach is no longer there. So that is something that is going to really hinder the Patriots. And a lot of people thought that the Patriots were going to take a step back. Obviously, you lose Tom Brady and then you bring in Cam Newton. You're like, okay, things are getting a little bit more interesting, but you still have Buffalo is a team that kind of beat in that division right now. A lot of people are very high on Buffalo, and rightfully so. They have a good coaching staff. They have a young group of players. I'm not a huge believer in Josh Allen, but maybe they can overcome that, and their defense is really, really stout. But then you got the Jets and the Dolphins, both rebuilding teams. I think the Dolphins are further along than the Jets. I don't know if the Jets have the right guy as their head coach right now in Adam Gase, but time will tell. But then you look at the Patriots, and you have all these guys opt out. It's like, now, what do we think of the New England Patriots? Could they have been a wild card team this year? Maybe, but now will they with all these players opting out? And there's an actual theory is going around NFL circles like, oh, this is Bill Belichick's design. Bill Belichick wants to tank for 2021. It was a tank for Trevor. It wants a tank for Fields. And the fact that people actually think that kind of just speaks to the aura of Bill Belichick because there's no way in hell that Bill Belichick or professional athletes or going out there and throwing games. That's not the case. But the fact that he's Bill Belichick, people actually think that that's the plan. To me, the plan is hey, everybody opt out early. Let me know you guys opt out early so we're not going to be blindsided going into the free agent wire if, say, we have two linebackers opt out and then the Panthers have two linebackers opt out and the Panthers get to the free agent wire first to sign their players. No, let us know early, which they did. Remember, like six guys opted out right off the bat for the Patriots all the guys who wanted to opt out they opt out all around the same time and I believe Belichick probably told them opt out early and not late so we can get a head start with our pro scouting department to find players to replace you guys for the season that makes much more sense to me not Belichick saying let's tank for Trevor Lawrence like come on now and before we go over some more players that opted out and the impacts that it's going to have on their respective teams and their divisions let's hear a word from our wonderful sponsors The Jets suffered another big hit to their defense, and that was C.J. Mosley who decided to opt out of this season, and they gave him a five-year, $85 million contract back in 2019, and if you remember, he missed 14 games last year. He was the signal caller for Greg Williams' defense, and now you look at the roster and you say, how are they going to overcome this? You just lost Jamal Adams to the trade that we went over last week on the inaugural episode of Falado One Football, and now you look at their Linebacking core, you got Patrick Onwuasor, who just signed from the Baltimore Ravens. They drafted Blake Cashman, who I liked coming out of college. I watched a lot of his film coming out of Minnesota, but he has T Rex arms. He has really, really short arms, but he was a solid linebacker for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. They drafted him in the fifth round in 2019. And you have Avery Williamson, who is probably just going to end up on the pup for a while. So you don't have a lot of depth your interior linebacker position. The Neville Hewitt, B.J. Bello, a bunch of names that not a lot of people know that much about. So that's going to be a big concern. You lost Jamal Adams, who played a lot in the box for Greg Williams' defense. So that's going to be a big hit. That's a big impact hit for the New York Jets, losing somebody like C.J. Mosley. And there's other players that are big. I mean, Starlo Tulele ends up opting out of the season for the Buffalo Bills. It's going to lead to a lot more snaps for Harrison Phillips. And that's kind of the, one of the byproducts of all this is that star players or people who earn a large chunk of snaps end up opting out. So that obviously means their backups are going to come in and play. And if their backups, there's opportunities to be had here, ladies and gentlemen, if their backups come in and play well, it could lead to a bigger contract down the road or more opportunities down the road for them to possibly earn a bigger contract depending on their current contract situation. It could lead to a player that ended up opting out Losing their job, too, depending on his current contract situation. So there's a lot of things that kind of can materialize from players opting out and other players getting the opportunity to play. Uh, Players like Michael Pierce, who just signed with the Minnesota Vikings to be the replacement of Linville Joseph, also opted out. He's a defensive tackle, one of the better defensive tackles in the league, especially against the run. So that might be a big hit to the Minnesota Vikings interior defensive line and how they're able to play against the run, a team that has always usually been really stout against the run. They moved on from Linville Joseph, bring in Pierce what a lot of people thought was an upgrade and I would agree on that because Linville Joseph's getting a little bit long in the tooth everybody remembers him back when he was drafted by the New York Giants in the second round out of ECU and the Giants and Jerry Reese did not retain him and that just seems to be a story of that era with the New York Giants but that that's something for another day there's just a lot of players here Andrew Billings a player that the Browns signed another interior defensive lineman ends up opting out of the season they were going to rely on him to kind of pair with Larry Ogunjobi and some of the other interior defensive linemen they have there to be stout against the run along with the defensive line that they have with Olivier Vernon and obviously Miles Garrett but that's not going to happen either so there's going to be a lot of ramifications and from a fantasy standpoint you have players like Damian Williams opting out Damian Williams was a mid-round running back option right but now Clyde edwards lair rookie, last pick in the first round on the LSU National Championship LSU Tigers last year. He's skyrocketing up boards. As Damian Williams, the lead running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs, just opted out. But at the same time, I don't think Edwards-Alaire, who's a rookie, is going to get a bulk of the carries. I think DeAndre Washington will also be mixed in who was on the Raiders last season. You might even see a little bit of Daryl Williams, who I want to say is an LSU back from a few years ago, from yesteryear. Albert Wilson is another player who ended up opting out. Wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. You had the wide receiver Marcus Goodwin, who is a very talented and fast wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, who opted out. Jamiz Oluwale, a talented fullback, lead blocker for Ezekiel Elliott, opted out. So there's a lot of players that ended up choosing to sit out. And I think it was a lot more than what the NFL – anticipated and a lot of them again are going to be high risk they have something wrong with uh, they have health concerns with either them or their direct family others opted out for personal reasons look at the Giants Sam Beal Sam Beal was a third round supplement pick back in 2018 who has barely played any football a lot of Giants fans are frustrated with him but it's still his decision to do so if he wants to opt out and now the Giants are in a position where the New York Giants, Giants fans have no idea who is going to be the starting boundary corner alongside James Bradbury, who they just signed in free agency. I mean, you have Ross Cockrell, who you just brought in. I like Ross Cockrell when he was here in 2017. I went back through some of his tape in 2019. And they play a ton of zone down there in Carolina. But I like what I saw from a run support perspective. I like what I saw from an ability to click and close. I like what I saw from an ability to anticipate route combinations and then react, kind of that mental processing side of playing cornerbacks. So I think it's a solid addition. It's not going to get the fan base enticed. But I think it's a necessary addition to a team secondary that has been decimated by people either opting out or people getting arrested and DeAndre Baker. So it's kind of a bunch of unforeseen things that have happened to the New York Giants secondary in the last few months. But they have to have a game plan and something set in place to move on from those situations. And it seems like they did another crazy byproduct of everything that's going on in 2020 is the football is going to suffer significantly. One of my main words when I like to talk about teams in football is cohesiveness and the lack of practice time, the lack of reps, and the fact that people... There's going to be a lot of backups in because a lot of people opted out or or not playing is going to lead to sloppy football, especially with the offensive line. And you can even look at the secondary. I think they're going to suffer as well. I think there's going to be a lot more man coverage as opposed to zone coverage because zone coverage requires kind of a lot of communication, a lot of reps in practice. There's going to be a lot of errors in those practice. And then you learn from those errors and you build upon those errors. And I think teams are going to come out playing man coverage because it's a much more simplified type of coverage. Granted, there are many different techniques in man coverage, but typically it's follow this guy. Don't let this guy beat you. Whereas in zone coverage, it's all about spacing timing and knowing the field and knowing different splits and things along those lines. But when it comes to the offensive line, They really need to be in sync with identifying fronts post and pre-snap and reacting to said fronts when they do change. And they have to really be lockstep and align with each other and kind of know what each other is seeing and how each other reacts. And that's going to be really difficult. These teams with new coordinators new offenses young quarterbacks like teams like the giants really the washington football team and the browns You got young quarterbacks new systems coming in new offensive line coaches and there's so much that needs to be learned from a terminology standpoint from an implementation standpoint when it comes to deploying a new offense and everyone needs to be on the same page everyone needs to be cohesive with each other and that just doesn't seem like it's going to be fully possible and defenses are going to have the upper hand to just scheme around it even though their practice is just as limited as the offenses but the only thing is i feel like it's much easier to manipulate the offensive line when they're not cohesive So I really can see a lot of just gaps being open, unblocked blitzes, easily identified blitzes that aren't identified. There's going to be a lot of, uh, in the rushing game, there's going to be a lot of double teams that either both players leave the defensive linemen and climb to the second level. And when it comes to pass protection, there's going to be a lot of players just not accounting for rushers because they think another player has accounted for them. And we're going to see a lot of those mistakes along the offensive line. There might be some record sack numbers if there were to be 16 games in this season. There might be some record sack numbers, which is kind of ridiculous to think about, too. But, um, yeah, no, I think the offensive line is probably going to suffer the worst. I think a secondary is also up and around that area, too, because... I just think there's going to be a lot more man coverage. I think those are going to be byproducts of all this. But we should get into some more NFL news because there are other things going on other than just coronavirus. One big thing within the New York Giants division is Darius Geis of the Washington football team was released. Now, Darius Geis, a lot of people that I respect in the industry actually had him higher than Saquon Barkley. In the 2018 nfl draft and it's mainly because geist had a better vision people thought than saquon barkley and i can see where they're coming from saquon played in a shotgun only type of offense and people did not know how his skill set would translate into single back or eye formation and darius geist played in more traditional kind of offense down there at lsu and he was a very talented running back but he was nowhere near the athlete of saquon barkley and he could not stay healthy ended up falling to the second round He missed the majority of his career, to be honest. And when he was out there, he would open some eyes. He has a lot of talent, but he was arrested for domestic violence-related charges. And the Washington football team totally deviated from everything that we knew about them, (laughs) at least from when they were with the previous name. And they dropped this man. So the alleged incident occurred earlier this year. We didn't hear about it. At least I didn't hear about these allegations. I think they came out on July 22nd. It didn't take long for Washington to cut ties with uh, Darius Geis and now he's a free agent and I don't believe people will be looking to sign somebody with those kind of allegations hanging over their head and I mean he sprained his MCL in 2019 at tore his ACL in the preseason of his rookie year so he's only ended up playing in five total games but that's not good (laughs) for Mr. Darius Geis if those are true allegations then you know you need to prioritize things and make sure that you straighten yourself out off the field before you think about even getting on the field as for the wa- or as for the washington football team i should say i almost slipped up and said the other name but as for the washington football team Look at the running backs. You got old man Adrian Peterson who just continues to get it done back there. And then you have the exciting kid out of Memphis who was a wide receiver and a running back, Antonio Gibson. And he's skyrocketing up fantasy draft boards right now to the point where I'm probably not going to draft him because his name is just skyrocketing up boards. And I'm not just going to reach for somebody, especially somebody whose ADP took a huge jump. I still think Adrian Peterson is going to be the workhorse. Gibson is a rookie. I think he's going to be exciting. I think he'll really come along down the stretch of the year for... Ron Rivera, and the Washington football team. And I think that's great for him. Maybe we'll see some Bryce Love, who a lot of people used to love, (laughs) ha alliteration, but a lot of people used to really like his game up at Stanford, but he ended up suffering an ACL injury in college and didn't play a lot last year. So he's another player that they have on the back end of their roster. So the rushing attack for the Washington football team just changed significantly, and we'll see how it kind of materializes. And there's also this interesting bit of news. It is Quentin Dunbar was removed from the commissioner's exempt list, and the Broward State Attorney's Office announced it was declining to file any kind of criminal charges against Dunbar for the involvement on the May 3rd incident in Miramar, Florida, with, as you guys all know, DeAndre Baker. He happens to still be on the commissioner exempt list because he's charged with four counts of robbery with the firearm, and I don't see that playing to the Giants' benefit, but Dunbar is able to rejoin with Seattle now and it seems like he's going to be able to play football in 2020. I highly doubt that happens for DeAndre Baker. It does not look good for DeAndre Baker, but Quinton Dunbar was removed from the commissioner's exempt list. Good for Seattle. Another news, Jordan Reed. Yes, the once famous Jordan Reed of the Washington football team was signed by the San Francisco 49ers, and he gets to reunite with Kyle Shanahan. Now, this isn't going to be a huge signing. It's not going to take away from George Kittle's fantasy value, but I do think it's interesting because Jordan Reed was a really dominant player when healthy. The only problem was he was legit never healthy. But I'm sure Giants fans can remember how effective he was when he was out there. And he's only 30 years old, so he's not a spring chicken, but he just turned 30. He's somebody who had a lot of athletic upside coming out of Florida, who had a lot of athletic upside in the NFL. Even coming back from serious injuries, he still showed athletic upside, but he wasn't really able to show a lot ever since coming back. He's had multiple concussion injuries, multiple, and to the point where a lot of people were suggesting that he should just retire. But he's coming back out. He's going to try to kick kick the can and see if he can crack the San Francisco 49ers offense reunite with Kyle Shanahan, who used to be with the Washington football team back in the day. So maybe it'll work out for him. Maybe they can do some crazy stuff with 12 personnel, have George Kittle out there, have Jordan Reed out there, maybe create some mismatches. That's if Jordan Reed still has the elite athletic ability that he used to have, which is a big question mark, to be honest. But I thought it was an interesting signing. Another signing that works out to the Bills' credit is Brian Winters, who was just cut by the New York Jets. And I say it works out to the Bills' credit because it was very fortuitous. Because John Feliciano, who is a guard for the Bills, ended up tearing his peck. Looks like he's going to miss the majority of the season. And the Jets end up cutting Brian Winters, a longtime starter for the Jets. So the Bills promptly and smartly went and signed Winters. Now, Winters is a replacement-level kind of player, but... He's not somebody that just usually chills around the free agent wire. So the Bills were able to kind of swoop in and get him right after the Jets cut him, and the timing couldn't have been better. And plus, he knows a lot about those interior defensive linemen of the New York Jets because he was a Jet, so it makes sense. That was a very fortuitous signing by the Buffalo Bills. But yeah, I think it's ridiculous that it's already August and we should all be watching preseason games in any sort of normal season. But that's just not where we're at right now. And I uh, look at the other leagues. That's what I've been paying attention to. I'm sure that's what a lot of the people within the NFL are doing as well. Seems like hockey, and basketball, the NHL and the NBA are in full swing. Those bubble cities are really working. Nobody's coming down with the virus as of right now, at least. It could happen in the coming days. But it seems like the cordon worked. No one in, no one out. No one gets the virus. Let's play the sport. Now that's unfeasible for football at least in my opinion because it's such a violent game people get injured all the time and you need to pick up street free agents constantly because of injuries and people are coming and going on your roster being dropped being brought up i don't know how feasible that would be with quarantining people coming off the streets to come into your facility and then you look at baseball baseball has had two major outbreaks among teams which obviously affects a lot of other teams because teams play each other and then they're going to have to self-quarantine each other we saw the marlins first and then the cardinals slightly after and there hasn't been much of a big branch out from those two teams getting it all the teams that ended up playing those teams that were infected ended up doing their own quarantine so a lot of games were missed so we're going to be seeing a lot of double headers and i don't know how that's going to work with football it's a different kind of sport it's not played every day but the NFL is going to have to have a plan. They're going to have to figure out what they can do to have this season, have it in a safe manner to where people aren't putting themselves into unnecessary harms way and spreading this virus even more and more. So I think it's going to be interesting. I see college football and everything there going through. We had the Mac just opt out of the season. We had UConn opt out of the season. And it makes sense for a lot of these smaller schools. I mean, the Mac relies on playing the Big Ten, who came out and said they're only going to play themselves. So the MAC relies, in order to get a lot of revenue and a lot of money, they rely on playing these Power 5 type of schools. So why are they going to Why are they going to play this season if it's going to cost them so much money when they're only playing themselves? So it just didn't really make a lot of financial sense for a lot of these teams that are opting out. And it doesn't seem like a season is likely, but you have the Big Ten who are being very insistent on possibly having a season. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how all of that kind of goes about. And if college football does cancel, does the NFL, in order to try to make games up, or just to try to gain their reach on as many days of the week as they can, move a lot of their games to Saturday as well. The next coming weeks should be interesting. So I'll definitely be paying attention, and I'll definitely be here for you. So please subscribe, rate, and review, and leave a comment too if you like this haiku. I like haikus. They're a good time. Japanese poems, 575 syllables. Anyways, thank you for listening to Filato on Football. I hope you guys enjoyed this. And I hope you guys have a lovely, lovely day. Stay safe and I'll talk to you soon.